You're listening to City Edge Church. For more information, go to cityedgechurch.com.au. God has been speaking to me about. Um, I've by no means mastered any of what I'm sharing, um, but it is, it's fresh and it's in my heart. And um, I just wanted this to be a reminder for us and an encouragement for us to follow Christ um, with everything. Um, and that, that is my prayer, that it will just be encouraging. Um, I don't have a title. We were talking about how great messages have great titles, and I don't have a title, so I'm feeling a little bit underwhelmed by the lack of title here. Um, but um, I think I'm just going to call it um, the scripture, basically, that I'm going to read from. I think that's a great title. Um, so if we can turn to Titus, chapter 2 if you have your bibles and so that's titus chapter 2 and verse 11 we're actually going to read from verse 11 to verse 14 Um, okay for the grace of god has appeared bringing salvation for all people training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled upright and godly lives in this present age waiting for our blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, who gave himself to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. So to me, this was just one of those scriptures that it literally, this, this chunk of scripture just literally jumped out at me. Um, and before even I was going to preach... Um, or I was asked to, I just, you know, I was meditating on this and looking into it and, and now I'm preaching on it. So it's one of those things, if, if a scripture jumps out at you, just really go into it because I think it jumps out for a reason. Um, and it was great for me and now I get to share it. So, so that's pretty exciting. Um, so the first thing from this scripture um, is verse 11. Um, the grace of God brings salvation. Salvation belongs to God. It is his to give. Um, I'm reminded actually through the pages of the Old Testament and in the New Testament that God is a God who saves. He saved many generations and whole groups of people throughout biblical times and even through our history books more modernly we can see in history. He saves and he calls the nations to him. He cares for, protects and it redeems entire nations. It's just amazing. Um, I'm reminded here of the Ninevites, who eventually, through Jonah, they heard the word of God, and they repented, and God spared the entire nation. Um, I think about Ezekiel in the Old Testament. He was sent to um, sent to the house of Israel, and Ezekiel chapter two actually describes these people as being stubborn, obstinate children, rebellious and wicked. Wow, that that sums us up as people, really. (laughs) Um, And Ezekiel was sent to declare God's word and to even prophesy God's redemptive plan. Um, It was a big journey, um, but eventually they got there um, and, and God brought about salvation and redemption. I also think along these lines of God bringing salvation... Um, about the obvious with Moses um, and he led 
God's people into the promised land. Um, And again, that was a journey. And in that journey, those people openly chose disobedience, disbelief. They chose to make false idols and openly worship them. Um, And yet, in God's grace, he continued to reveal himself to those people. And he continued to bring that nation into salvation through him. Salvation really is God's. So on, on that, we've got, we've got the, the large picture, the nations, the, the big groups of people. But we also have us as an individual. He calls us as an individual to him. On a personal note, we, we know that God saves us. Um, he sees our heart. Nothing is hidden from him. And he's concerned with our needs, our desires, and our struggles. And he's so concerned with us becoming who we were created to become. And again, I think back to to the story of Jonah going to the Ninevites. Um, God wasn't just concerned with that entire nation coming to God. He was also concerned with the heart of Jonah and Jonah's process in doing this, in obeying. Um, and with Jonah turning and repenting and knowing God through this whole journey um, and concerned with Jonah's heart actually becoming aligned with God's heart for God's people. Um, we have in, in chapter 2, um, in Jonah, um, he's, he's realising, he actually comes to the conclusion that salvation belongs to God right before he went to the Ninevites. He, he had that revelation. Salvation is God's. Then he goes to the Ninevites, and the Ninevites all get saved. It's like the best-case scenario for anyone that wants to share the word of God to people. And then the next chapter, we have Jonah getting angry at God for saving the Ninevites because he didn't think it was good. He didn't like that plan. And then we have God again just gently reminding Jonah again, salvation is mine. And so it's almost like we have these revelations from God, and then Two weeks later, we've forgotten it. And, and I think Jonah did that, and I think we do that as well. Um, and so God is very concerned with that constant reminding and pulling us back into alignment with what he's revealed about himself. Um, so he's very, very concerned about our hearts. Um. <laughs> and, and we also read about the, the personal relationship through uh, with Moses that God had and, and how through Moses' life, God continued to work in Moses' heart as well and, and just constantly giving Moses that confidence and that revelation on, on who God is and what God's will is and, and teaching and leading and guiding Moses as well. And God, God sees the church as a whole, and I love it, but he also sees us in, as an individual and it's just to me it's beautiful he, he was just speaking that over me lately and and it's captivating and it's encouraging that we're not lost in the crowds we sometimes I think we can sometimes feel that we are um, and not to forget the crowds but to just realize that it's uh, my relationship with God is, is on his heart as well um and there's many instances as well I mean I'm talking about the Old Testament here but there's many instances in the New Testament of Jesus being among the crowds and seeing the individual. And I think sometimes we're, we're so many, so often we're among crowds. Do we see the individuals like Jesus did? Are we concerned with the individual? Because I know, I know God is concerned with um, calling the individual. Uh, one of the stories um, is, I can never say his name right, 
Zacchaeus. It's a good name, Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus is one of those guys that Jesus saw. And and really, the people didn't see Zacchaeus. Um, I don't know if you guys know, Zacchaeus was a, a tax collector, which is basically the scum guys. That no one loved a tax collector. They were not considered pure people. They were not considered doers of good in any way at all. Um, but Jesus saw him. And Zacchaeus was sitting up in his tree, and he wanted to see Jesus. He saw Jesus and Jesus saw him. Not only did Jesus see him, but he called Zacchaeus down and to come and walk with him. And then later on that day, they ate together. And the result of this was Zacchaeus repented. And Jesus replied to Zacchaeus, Today salvation has come to this house because I have come to seek and to save the lost. Jesus seeks and saves the individual And I thank him constantly that he's brought salvation to me. Salvation is his to give. The second point I get from this scripture is in verse 12. Um, He teaches us how to live. Salvation comes to us through his grace and it comes to us to train us. Now the word training here actually refers to a teaching through discipline and an actual pulling into alignment. Um, It doesn't just save us. It actually comes to change us and renew us and to grow us. I think sometimes, you know, we're saved, it's great, but salvation isn't just a get-out-of-hell-for-free card. Um, it's, It's a new life, and our new life comes with everything that we need in this present age, everything we need for today. Um, I thank God not only for my salvation, but also that he didn't leave me where I was the day that I got saved. Um, It's been an incredible, painful, joyful journey. Um, Titus chapter 3, verse 3, tells us that he saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. This is something we can't do in our own strength. There's no part of us that would actually naturally desire godliness. We have been equipped and given what we need to do this through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes, equips us, regenerates us and renews us. In the Old Testament, we have God who's leading his people from above. In the New Testament, Jesus came and he walked among his people. Then when Jesus left and went to heaven, he gave us the Holy Spirit, which is now within us. Um, and, and that is what's leading us to a life of godliness. I think sometimes it's easy for us to fall into thinking that we're saved by God to fulfill a purpose, that he wants something from us. Um, he's pursuing us because he wants us to go on a mission or to do something. It's constant. We're saved to do things. But I think first and foremost, we need to come back to the fact that God saved us because he wants us. He wants you. He doesn't just want the cities and the masses of people. He wants relationship with you, proper relationship with you. Relationship with God is his mission. It's why he sent his son to have relationship with you. He wants to teach you, align you and train you into how to live that out with him. He wants to bring your heart, 
back into that alignment with his. So why all this work and change? It's a lot of work and it's a lot of change. And it's because God knows that the condition of our heart is naturally against him. Our nature is ultimately contrary to him. And we actually really need training and teaching. Despite the fact that we are saved, we still have in our hearts deep-rooted issues. I mean, sometimes they're so deep, we don't even know that they're there. But because of Jesus' death and resurrection, sin no longer reigns in our life. But it still remains. It doesn't reign anymore, but it's still there. It still remains. Maybe, I mean, this is stuff I'm working through. I'm, I'm nowhere there. <laughs> Just, you know, things like anger issues or depression or bitterness or lust or selfish ambitions, um, unwholesome words that they find their way out there. They just do. <laughs> and the list could go on. Um, but the, one of the things that I, I'm picking up as I read through the letters of the New Testament um, and the letters that were written to the churches, they tend to carry a very repetitive theme. And that is that there is this constant putting off of the old self and putting on the new self. And in doing this, we are realigning our hearts with the heart of God. And as our love for God grows, our desire and love of sin must and will decrease. But the opposite of this is also true. If our love for sin grows, ultimately our love for God is going to decay. Our old self needs to die as Christ gives us new life in him. Truth be told, we slip back and forth. At least I know I do. We, we get ready for church on Sunday and as we do so, we put on our sparkly new self and we're ready to go. And then by Monday, we're thrown back into life, you know, and it just seems to find its way off again. We're cussing as we're driving down the road, as we're cut off by people. And, and you know, they, these things happen. We, we're going back and forth. It's like teeter-tottering. Um, and I think, truth be told, this is probably always going to happen as long as we're here. Um, he's been teaching me, though, and reminding me that through this scripture, um, we, are, we have to deny ungodliness and worldly desires, and we need to live sensibly, righteously, and godly. So to deny ungodly and worldly desires actually means something on my part. I actually have to say no to these things. But not just to say no to living this way, but to actually also detest living this way, to hate it, to flee from it, to run from living my life that way. Um, It's hard. It really is hard. I'm going to be quite real with you guys here. And I think this has always been hard and it will constantly be hard. And the Bible has so much wisdom in this feeling that we we can turn to. Um, We have Philippians 3, verse 20, which tells us that our citizenship is actually from heaven. And we are eagerly awaiting for our Saviour and Lord Jesus Christ. We're we're not citizens here. So there there is this sense of of not belonging, of not not feeling part of it, this torn feeling. Um, And I think being torn like this is pretty much how every saved person has felt at times. And then Paul sums it up beautifully in Romans chapter 7, verse 15. And I think we probably mostly all know this one. I don't understand what I'm doing, for I don't practice what I want to do, 
but instead I do what I hate. Um, Galatians 5 verse 17. This just explains it beautifully. It just sums it up. For the flesh craves what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are opposed to one another so that you do not do what you want. I feel like this is an ongoing battle that we have as Christians. Um, But we have hope because God, as I'm reading through Titus, God wants to teach us how to live. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 to 24, it says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your mind, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. We've been saved, and through his word and Holy Spirit, we're also taught how to live, how to align our heart with the heart of God, not just loving what he loves, but also to hate what he hates. So we get salvation is his. He teaches us how to live. But there's more to this, this scripture, um, and it's so encouraging, is we find more instruction and encouraging, encouragement in, in verse 13. It says, um, We are to live this way, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. He's coming back for his people. This is just, to me, this is so exciting. Um, The New Testament church constantly included in their message, in their gospel message, so to speak, that he is coming back. When the message of Christ was preached, so was his return. Don't lose sight of this. Um, If the writers of the New Testament felt it important then to remind the church, I think we need to keep reminding ourselves of this today, to live in a way that reminds us like that he is coming back. Just for a minute, I'd like to think about the original receivers of this letter. It was about 2,000 years ago. Um, it's a different time, probably hard to imagine. There was no shiny altar call at a nice stadium um, with great music, background music playing in the background and come forward if you want to be saved. You know That, that paints the picture of most modern salvation um, salvations. And it also was not socially acceptable to follow Jesus. I think, you know, it's not so much today either, but back then it was, it was a life or death decision. Um, it wasn't socially acceptable. Um, and the church then, they needed to be reminded of Christ's return, and we need to be reminded today. There was no freedom of religion like in a lot of our cultures today. Believing in Christ in the early church brought about all kinds of persecution, they were learning to discern false gospels. Um, they were being pushed out of their families, forced out of jobs. Um, and for many of them, it was believing in Jesus and his death and his resurrection would get you killed. It cost many of them everything. And a huge part of what kept these guys going was knowing that he's coming back. This actually made it doable for them to, to, live, to put away their old selves and live godly because they were living like he was coming back. They reminded themselves constantly that these are the last days. He's going to return. These trials and persecutions and giving up ungodly lives for holy ones is possible because he's coming back. 
Paul was so certain that he was living in the last days and he was right in saying that then and I think we're right in saying that today. The last 2,000 years, it's been a long time, but they are the last days. These first Christians, they believed and preached some pretty mind-blowing stuff. I think sometimes, you know, we grow up in it, we hear it preached often and we sort of take for granted how how unusual that that can be for some um, they believe we believe I believe that that Jesus is God he was born by virgin birth he healed the sick he raised the dead he taught the people and opposed the Pharisees he was crucified he died and he came back to life then he went to heaven and he said he's coming back it's pretty out there for for us I think and it was pretty out there for them back then as well But this is the message that they preached all the time, in essence. Um, But time for them had passed and and weeks turned into months and months turned into years and and there was no sign of Jesus coming back and they were beginning to start drifting away and that's when these letters were being written. And these guys were beginning to sink back into living out their old lives and they needed a reminder. Um, So let's have a look, if, if we can, at 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 1 to 4 and this is this is one of the many reminders that are in the in the letters of the new testament this is now the second letter that i'm writing to you beloved in both of them i'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandments of the lord and savior through your apostles knowing this first of all the scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing following their own sinful desires, they will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. Here he says, guys, I just want to be very clear on this matter. There's going to be people that are going to come and there's going to be mocking and there's going to be scoffing. Don't be alarmed by this. His slowness in returning is not an excuse for us to become faithless, picking up again our own desires and lusts and becoming like those who confess Jesus as Lord and then return to lawlessness following whatever their hearts lead them to. I think part of what helps us to live our holy lives is this knowing and remembering and reminding ourselves that he is alive and he's coming back. It's hard, it really is hard to remain pure in a depraved world, to forgive others, to not hold on to bitterness, to turn the other cheek, to deny ungodliness and to not even consider lustful thoughts. Given to those in need, giving to those that are in need and to just be doers of good as the Bible tells us to be. Um, so as we were talking before about seven years ago, um, we packed up everything that meant something to us and, um, we moved to Colorado. Now in that, in that time we had about 10 boxes of stuff that was considered our treasures and mostly our treasures is stuff that no one would buy. Things like Facebook cards, photos, stamp collections, you know, things that to us it meant something. And so we kept these things and, and for a few months we lived like we're moving to another country because we were. And it changed how we saw things in that time. Um, We were a lot more free. We weren't holding on to our earthly possessions, so to speak. Um, You know, we we valued those that were around us 
more because we knew that our time was coming up. Instead of saying to our friends, let's go get coffee, we actually went with our friends and got coffee and prioritised friendships, relationships and our time because we knew we were leaving. And I think there's that element as well, if we live that way, like he's coming back, it does change how we live. It changes who we prioritise, what we prioritise, where we spend our time, our money, our resources, all those things, because he's coming back. He's alive and he's returning. Um, so truth be told, again, we do, we slip back and forth, back and forth. We're going teeter-tottering on this. Um, but we often find ourselves living like the scoffers and mockers that Peter was talking about, and we do forget. And I don't know if you can really blame us because it has actually been a couple thousand years since Jesus made this promise. Um, and we give in to sin because it actually really is easy. It, it's our, our nature. It doesn't go against, it doesn't really go against who we are and, unless we've ultimately been fully changed by the Holy Spirit, which we're still waiting on that to happen. And, and we also can justify ourselves in doing it for a brief moment as well. Um, so what... What God's been speaking to me about is just remembering, remembering him. And how we think about the end actually affects how we live now. Salvation is his. He teaches us how to live. Let's live like he's coming back. The last point that I want to make from this piece of scripture is in verse 14. He gave himself for us to redeem from all to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Can we really say yes to sin on a daily basis when we're standing before him knowing that we are his? In the beginning, there was nothing. God created all of this, all of us, everything we see out of nothing. Out of nothing he spoke and here we are. He does the impossible. We exist for him. The heavens and the earth are his. It is all his. We're all his. Like, it's just amazing. And he is purifying a people for him. I get so much hope in um, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, where it says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. It might seem slow to us. It may be hard for us to grasp. But remember, he said in the Bible that a thousand years is like a day to him. So really, Jesus was here just two days ago. You know, it, it seems like a long term time for us, but in the view of all eternity, it was just a couple of days, really. His day will come and he will return for his people and his possession. It just, it brings me joy. He gave himself for us. He is coming back for us and he is patiently gathering, purifying and working in the hearts of his people. And his slowness is not an excuse for us to become faithless. I think there are three, three areas that God has been speaking to me about. Um, and that is, uh, one of the things is, I'm just going to say this, put this out there. People can be annoying. Um, other Christians, non-Christians, all different people, they can annoy us. 
But one of the things that God is speaking to me about is go easy on them. They're his. They're not mine to to be angry with or mad with or hold a grudge against because they're his. Um, the other thing is the church. You know, sometimes we look at the church and we think, oh, if only they did it this way, if only it was done this way, or if only they operated in this gifting more. And you know what? The church is his. Go easy on it. The last one is myself. I'm, I think we are our biggest problems on ourselves sometimes you know we go hard on ourselves if only I could get the dishes done by 10 o'clock if only I could raise my kids better if only I could do things better or get out of bed or you know if only I could do things better really um but we need to go easy on ourselves because we are his um yeah so yeah those those three things God's been really just releasing me from and just allowing it to be his um so how how should we live while we wait? It's a big question because we are waiting and we've been waiting for a while. Um, we need to live for things that won't burn up in the end. One day we're going to stand before him without a spot and without a blemish because of what Jesus has done on the cross for us. It could be tomorrow and again it could be another thousand years. <laughs> but we are called to be a people with a zeal for good deeds living in radical obedience and a deep desire to live out our days righteously through his son. For now, we're living here. So let's live in a way that shows the world that he has saved us, that we are waiting for him and that we are his. Thanks for listening to City Edge Church. For more information, go to cityedgechurch.com.au.